Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast, where we share weekly sermons from our church services. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We are a multi-generational family church located in the heart of Little Rock. Calvary's mission is to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Whether you've long been part of our church family or are tuning in for the first time, we hope our podcast provides the same kind of welcoming space you'd find here on Sunday mornings. Most of all, we hope this space helps you engage God's Word and grow in your faith. Hey everyone, Garrett here. I am the next-gen pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. Just hopping on to let you know that this podcast episode will be a little bit different than our others. Typically, if you come here, you can expect to hear a sermon from our Sunday morning service. But yesterday, we actually had the opportunity to have an ordination service. So as you're listening to this podcast, first you're going to hear Pastor Scott explaining a little bit about ordination. Then you're going to hear some scripture reading uh, that was selected by the two women we are ordaining today. And then also you're going to hear a brief word from two uh, spiritual mentors in the lives of the people we are ordaining. And then after that, you will hear the two women themselves, Jordan Norton and Hayden Walker, share a bit of their testimony about their call to ministry. And then lastly, you're going to hear a bit of an encouragement, a charge, if you will, from our senior pastor, Scott Jackson, and our uh, worship pastor, Rick Couch. Hope you guys enjoy this special episode of the podcast. Well, today is a very special day because today is a day where we're celebrating and having a ceremony of ordination for two very special young ladies, and that's Jordan Presley Norton and Hayden Catherine Walker. And you know, when we use middle names, it's a big deal, (laughs) and this is certainly a big deal indeed. What in the world is ordination? Well, what it is, is we as a church body are coming alongside these two young ladies who've already sensed a call and are living out a call by God to ministry leadership. And so what we are doing as their church family, their ordaining church family, is we're coming alongside them to say, we too affirm your call And we have seen and experienced your gifting, your spiritual gifting that you've been using among us and that um, are going to continue to grow and develop. And then we're also affirming our support to pray for you, to encourage you, to continue to equip you and be there for you as you fulfill this very important call. And that's what we're here to do today. And it's a very, very special day. And I'm excited that you will be part of it. Let's go to the Lord now and dedicate this service to him. Father, we thank you already for the beautiful worship and praise that we've been able to offer up to you, to the throne room of heaven. Lord, what an honor it is to praise you and celebrate you and worship you. And Father, it's also a great honor and privilege to come alongside Jordan and Hayden and celebrate them and the call that you've placed on their lives. Father, we invite you through your Holy Spirit to be among us, to lead us, 
to receive honor and glory from all that is done this day. And we pray this prayer in the name of the most powerful one who's ever existed. And that's the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Carl Mohn, and I have the honor and the privilege of getting to celebrate uh, this ordination service with you uh, today. Um, I've known Jordan uh, for, gosh, probably 17 years, 16, 17 years now. And, uh, and it really has been a pleasure getting to watch her um, grow from a student in my, in my student ministry and then as the, uh, one of the worship leaders um, on our staff when I was a pastor of, of a church and then getting to kind of watch her um, progression in ministry over these last several years from a distance. Uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure and a privilege uh, to get to to see that, um, and, and I'm I'm really thrilled and honored that I get to be a part of this this service this moment uh, today this celebration because as as solemn and as reverent as ordination is it truly is a celebration of uh, really of affirmation and 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 looking at um, these people that we have uh, that that we have noticed God's hand on and His call on. And, and get to rejoice as we really affirm uh, uh, God's call already on their lives into, into ministry. And so, um, so it is my joy to get to also affirm uh, Jordan in this way. And certainly she is immensely talented and, and has great ability and, and a beautiful voice and can sing and can lead in, in worship. And that's wonderful. But what I, what I really appreciate about Jordan the most is her heart. Um, her heart for people, yes, and, and wanting to, to see people uh, come to know the Lord, but really her heart for the, the glory and the honor of God uh, and leading others into, into the worship of Him. And so, uh, so Jordan, I'm so, so very proud of you, and, and I've known you and your family for, for such a long time, and your family has meant a lot to me, um, just in your support uh, of, of me over the years, and, and it really is my, my privilege and my joy to get to to join uh, with you this morning, even from uh, even from video, and so uh, my blessings over you um, and and over your family and over your church. I'm so proud for you and of you, uh, and thrilled uh, about your church's decision to affirm you in uh, in the gospel ministry. And so my prayer uh, for you uh, is that the Lord would would continue to bless you and keep you, and that the Lord would continue to multiply His favor on your life, you and and your family. Um, uh, Amanda and I love you very much, and, and we just hope that you have a, a, a wonderful, continue to have a wonderful ministry uh, ministry there. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a part of this. Well, good morning, Calvary Church family. Uh, it's really an honor to be standing in front of you today as part of this ordination service. 
Um, as you've heard, and most of you know me, I'm Jordan Presley Norton. Um, I've been here at Calvary on staff since last summer, May of 2022, um, and I'm the associate worship leader of the Bridge Service, which is where you are right now. And I just want to share with you this morning a little bit of my testimony story and then also the story of how the Lord's called me into ministry. Um, So I was raised in the church. My family uh, is a family of faith, and they're here with me this morning. I'm thankful for that. Um, And so I was there every Sunday in church. Um, We were involved in activities. Uh, I would go to VBS. And I remember uh, at a very young age, um, it was around age four or age five, Um, just wanting to follow Jesus. I'd heard all about Jesus and who he is and what he had done, and I wanted to follow him. So I remember praying that prayer. Um, But as you can imagine, that was a sweet and special moment, and it certainly meant something to me because I still remember it now, even being so young. But there's a lot that you just don't understand when you're four or five, Uh, like the reality that you're the sinner that Jesus had to die for. So things were starting to take place and starting to shape, but they didn't all connect just yet. So we continued in church, and I continued being involved and asking questions and just seeking who the Lord is. So around age 12, um, I had a moment. I remember specifically where I was sitting. I was at St. Luke's United Methodist Church, where our family was, were members of, and I was sitting on the back wall of the Family Life Center in a youth uh, service. And I'm pretty sure that there was nothing even really spiritual going on. It was just people kind of gathering and talking, and I just remember the Holy Spirit. I don't think I really understood it at the time, but the Holy Spirit came over me and just assured me that I'm setting you aside for these purposes, and so again, I'm, I'm young at this age and there's only so much that I can understand, but I knew without a doubt that he was calling me to himself. So that'll always be a special moment in my life. And that was around the same time in my life when I picked up the guitar, which you often see me up stay, uh, on stage with. So um, I'm in seminary classes right now through Southwestern in Fort Worth. And I wanted to just share with you also something that one of my professors shared with me in my best practices class a few semesters ago. Um, He's teaching and and talking to us about what it means to be called. Um, And one of the, the best things that he said that I just so agree with is it's more than just a feeling. It's so much more than just a feeling, and I I know that to be true in my own life because I had that moment, I had that feeling, but what comes after that? If the Lord calls you into ministry or calls you to do something and prompts you to move, then he will not only give you that overwhelming sense of himself, but he will then continue to place people in your life that will affirm you and encourage you to go where he's called you to go. And so you got to see and hear from Carl Mohn um, just a few minutes ago, and I'm so, so excited that he got to be a part of this, even from a distance. Um, Because as he said, Carl was my youth minister. Um, He and his wife served our church so well. He was also the worship leader. So he did two jobs in our small church in Kilgore, Texas. And um, when we joined that church, um, he was the one who I just believe saw the calling on my life and said, now's the time to step out of your comfort zone, get past yourself, and start to move where God wants you to go. So I started to lead um, in, in, a, in a worship setting there for our youth group. Uh, and there have been many others as well uh, that have been a part of my life along this way. 
So what I also want to say this morning that I think is important to note is that I believe that the call of the Lord is not first to be a worship leader, but it's first to himself. So when you follow him first and you say yes to him first, the result of that is that he will lead you and allow you to use your gifts and your passions within that are from him to begin with. And so that's why I get to stand up here uh, most every Sunday and lead our wonderful, beautiful team in worship because he gave me that desire and that skill set. So this is my call that I'm sharing with you this morning, but you know that the call to follow Jesus is a call for every person. It's a call for you to say yes, to be obedient where he has you, and to disciple those in your life that you may be a step ahead of. So just to note a couple of other ways that I think are important. Um, I serve here on staff um, leading worship. I've been able to serve um, in a discipleship setting with other young women in college. Um, And now you often will see me serving by discipling my three little boys uh, alongside my husband, Josh, here at the church. So our life is wild, but we're so, so thankful. I'm thankful for all the places that the Lord has led me in my journey so far on this earth but I'm especially overwhelmed by what he's doing here and now at Calvary. I just know that the spirit is here with us. Uh, I'm just anticipating so many more great things through this congregation, and I'm incredibly humbled and blessed to be a part of Calvary Baptist Church in Little Rock. And I am no more qualified by anything in and of myself, but I'm qualified and I'm justified through Jesus Christ, the one whom I can do all things. This is a reading from Isaiah chapter 43. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. To Hayden Walker, soon to be Reverend Hayden Walker, I am coming to you in your inimitable way of putting it, by way of modified presence. Those are your words. The father observed the baptism of his son Jesus in the Jordan River. And these are the words that he said. 
While Jesus was being baptized by John, the spirit was resting on the shoulder of Jesus. The father was broadcasting from the heavenly station. And he said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. These words were stated not after Jesus performed a miracle. No, he had not turned water into wine at Cana of Galilee yet. No, he had not taken and healed the nobleman's son yet. But he said these words before Jesus had performed any miracle. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hayden, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. I don't say these words based upon what you have done. I say these words based upon who you are and based upon the relationship that God has formed between us. I remember that day when we sat in Miss Sandy's office, the room behind it, studying the passage that you, were going to, that you were going to preach. And you looked at me and asked me to be your father in the ministry. And both of us wept because we realized this was the Lord's doing. And it was marvelous in our eyes. And so I say to you now, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. I affirm you. I affirm you because of your commitment to integrity. Your integrity is impeccable. You are godly. We all respect you, the way you carry yourself, the way you treat others. Being in your presence is an extension of Christ. I affirm you because of your impeccable integrity. I affirm you because of your commitment to your husband, Cody and your commitment to your sons, Rhett and Harrison. I affirm you. I affirm you because of your commitment to the church. You have always served with meticulous industry, performing your work for the Lord in the church with care and with excellence. I affirm you for that. I affirm you for your love for your Lord. Oh, how you love Jesus. And oh, how you worship him. I affirm you for your commitment to the ministry. I remember when you were selected to be the preacher of the year of your class. And you stood and you preached with such power. And all of us listen to you, not only with great delight, but with great transformation. We were touched and moved by it. And so I stand today wishing that I could be with you and your family and to share this moment with you in person. But just know that though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit and I affirm you my dear daughter, in whom I am well pleased.
this morning. The passage of scripture that Sarah read a moment ago comes from Isaiah chapter 43. And this first verse, I think, really gives contour to my life, my calling um, to be a worshiper of Jesus and a minister of the gospel. He says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And I think from the time I was a young girl, I had a certain spiritual sensitivity to the things of God. I think that he was beginning to beckon me, to call me by name. Um, And I genuinely, like Jordan, as a young girl, I loved Jesus. But it wasn't until I was in junior high that I really understood redemption. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. And I understood what it meant that Jesus loved me and had called me to himself and had died for my sins. I trusted in him for salvation and believed that he cleansed me from all unrighteousness to follow him in faith. But even as I walked in this newness of life, I still had the tight grip. Um, This last part says, you are mine. I was still finding so much of my identity, significance, and purpose, and things apart from Christ. And so it's taken years and work of the Spirit to loosen that grip, um, to truly receive my identity as one resting in the Father. This idea of imputed righteousness, that as the Father sees Christ, so too, because of the blood of Christ, He now sees me. And our sin is not just the bad things that we do, but it's our utter brokenness and inability to restore relationship that was ruptured between us and God. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, He's redeemed us. He's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this transference from the kingdom of darkness to God's heavenly kingdom has been one of utter grace in my life. I think that's the real miracle of my story, is that God has kept me. Um, I used to look back on my testimony and not see this you know, dramatic, he saved me from um, a life of egregious sin. And I used to think, man, I wish I had a testimony that was that kind of transformational 180, um, that the power of God might be seen. But I think that the power of God in my story is that the grace of God has kept me. It's these words from Psalm 121, Jordan, that he's kept me. He's kept me through self-righteousness. He's kept me through rebellion. He's kept me through contentment. He's kept me through complacency. He's kept me through seasons of darkness. He's kept me through seasons of despair. He's kept me through joy, and he's kept me through the waters of deep, deep suffering. God has kept me. And so as I enter into gladly this new season of ministry, receiving this affirmation, of ordination and my calling, I believe that God will keep me through whatever may come. I felt this distinct call to ministry when I was at Washita as a, um, after my freshman year, I went on a trip to the footsteps of Paul through Turkey. And it was at Derby, one of the churches of Galatia, that standing atop that tell, that archaeological tell, that I felt the distinct and um, special calling from God to vocational, lifelong ministry. 
And then at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama, God unfolded that calling in a more specific way. In fact, next month will mark 11 years since I felt the distinct calling of God upon my life to be a herald, a preacher, a proclaimer, a teacher of the gospel of Jesus. And that is really what I feel compelled to spend the rest of my days doing. I love Jesus so much, and I want to make him known. And so I just receive with great joy, with tears of great joy, the affirmation, the recognition of God's calling in my life and receive the joy of this church congregation acknowledging that and supporting me in God's calling and ministry and believe that God will keep me through whatever may come. Not by my might, not by my strength, but by Christ alone, for his glory alone, that the kingdom may be expanded and the glory of God may be revealed. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Well, several weeks ago, we were talking through this uh, service, talking about what we were going to do in this service and uh, how we wanted to lay it all out. And and Scott said, uh, told me, he said, I want you to do the charge in the uh, traditional service. And I thought he was kidding. I just thought he was joking about it, so I yeah, didn't worry about it. Well, we got in the next staff meeting. He said, uh, so Rick's going to do this. I went, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, I uh, got excited about what uh, the opportunity was here to just uh, share with these ladies and their call as God has blessed them so greatly and as we obviously have seen. And um, I guess really my, uh, my point of view is uh, to really use the gifts that I have. Uh, I would love to, to be able to sing what I've written down here, but I'm not going to do that. But I do want to share with you the words from the song we have already sung this morning. And I want you to listen to the words of what we have sung, the servant song. It says, we're travelers on the journey, fellow pilgrims on the road. We're here to help each other walk the mile and to bear the load. I'll hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I'll hold my hand out to you. And I'll speak the peace you long to hear. Sister, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you and pray that I may have the grace to let you be my servant too. I will weep when you're weeping. When you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I'll share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we'll find such harmony. Born of all we've known together of Christ's love and of his agony. I uh, am an encourager. That's uh, the gift that God has given to me. So ladies, I would love to be an encourager you today as we talk about one of the aspects of being ordained, one of the aspects of being a, a, a minister to God's people, and that is the servant role. And I'd like to encourage you to have a servant's heart. and Just think about what that means. What is a servant? First of all, a servant of God is one that's committed to him and him alone. That is a servant. Secondly, we serve every day. We don't just serve on Sundays, but we serve every day. We do what he tells us to do. Sometimes no matter what, we do whatever God tells us to do. And we serve with passion and with compassion. So what does that mean? We're committed to him. Ephesians 6, verse 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever he does. So we're committed 
to him, to God our Father. It is because he has saved us. It is because of his grace in our lives, because of what he has done, the gifts he has given to each one of us, that we serve him. And we're not alone in that service. Uh, As God's ministers, we serve together with God's church, with these people who are here to encourage you in your walk with him. So first of all, we are committed to God. Secondly, we serve every day and not just Sundays. Philippians, the third chapter, verses 12 says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When I was a a young person and uh, God was putting his hand on my life, my dad, as I've said, was a music minister and I grew up in a music minister's home. And when God called me to the ministry, and at that time I wasn't sure exactly where he wanted me to serve, but I was talking to my dad about it and I was telling him about where I felt like God was leading me. And he looked me straight in the face and he said, so you've grown up in a minister's home. You know what it's all about. Are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> you know? And I, I, I remember looking at him and saying, God, you know, what else can I do? God has called me to this. So what, where else can I go? I don't want to go there. I want to do what God has called me to do, and that is to serve him and to serve his people. But it's not just service on Sundays. You know, sometimes people look at us, and I've, I've even had people ask me, what do you do? <laughs> you know, what do you do? You know, uh, you get up, I, I can pick hymns out, you know, you know, sing with a choir, but what do you do? And uh, my dad had a, had a guy that asked him once to, that, that question. He said, well, why don't you meet me here tomorrow morning on Monday morning, and you can spend the rest of the week, including Saturday, following me around and doing what I do, seeing what I do. Uh, You know, it's not just Sundays that we serve. God is a God of every day, of every moment, of every minute in our lives. And when we serve him, that's that's what it's about, is serving God every day. And uh, that's what we want to do. You see the blessings he's given to us as you talk about the struggles, as you talk about the joys of serving him. Those are the things that that are reassurances in our life, that we're doing what God wants us to do. And as he's called us, what else would we do? Where else would we go? This is what we're going to do. Thirdly, we do what he tells us to do. Forget the praise and the compliments and the things that you hear from other people. Uh, We do what God tells us to do. And there are a couple of things involved in that. I think most importantly is we want to know it's God telling us to do these things. So our relationship with him is so key as we read through his word, as we pray together with him, knowing when we hear his voice. Uh, Sometimes that can be confusing as we walk with him. But he reassures us as we walk that it's him telling us to do those things. So uh, we want to do what he uh, he wants us to do. And uh, we want to know that whatever we're doing, is his will for our life. And he's going to bless that. He's going to guide us. Matthew 6 reminds us that uh, we're laying up treasures in heaven. Um, you know, but it's not, it's not just about those treasures in heaven. It's the treasures that we experience here as we serve together with God's people. Such treasures that uh, we'll share together in eternity. So we want to do what he wants us to do. Mark, the ninth chapter says, When Jesus and the disciples had come to Capernaum, they went into the house. And Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? 
but they kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about who was to be the greatest. So sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last. He must be the servant of all. And he took a little child, had him stand among them and taking the child into his arms, he said to his people, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So as we serve together, as we experience uh, what God is doing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our people that he has called us to serve with and among and for, then he's going to do those things. We'll see that we're doing that for him. We're doing it because we love Jesus, and he's going to bless that. He's going to use that in our lives. Lastly, we serve with passion and compassion. Colossians, the third chapter says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Again, we see some of the encouragement there is the reward that one day we will receive in heaven. And I like to uh, just remember some of the, the words from songs I've heard and, and from God's word that I've read, you know, uh, those rewards will be given to us and we can lay those at his feet uh, just because he has blessed us. Those rewards that, are, that he's giving to us because we served him. So we serve with passion. We do it unto the Lord. We give, we do, we serve, we walk alongside our people. And we do this because we have a great love for them. We have a passion for serving God and serving with these people. And we do it with compassion. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be of great courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Uh, the God's word reminds us we can do all these things. We can speak with a great voice. We can, we can speak with our Adrian Rogers voice and do all great things. And... Uh, we can uh, sing song to him and be a crashing cymbal. But if we don't do that with love, then it's nothing. I don't want to get to the end of the road and look back on my life and see that I've done everything for me so God would bless me. And those are great things that God gives us. He does reward us for serving, serving him. But I want to know that I've done it because I love God's people. Uh, a servant's heart. And you know, this is not just a, I know this is supposed to be a charge to you ladies, but you know, it's a charge to all of us. It was a charge to me as God was leading me through these words. Just a reminder that it's because we belong to him, we walk together down this road. And I remind you of those words that we just sang. I'll weep when you're weeping. I'll laugh. I'll laugh with you. I'll share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we find... <laughs> And a great for me. We find such harmony, born of all we've known together, of Christ's love and of his agony. What Jesus Christ has done for us and what he's going to do through y'all is going to be just such a great joy. And uh, again, I thank you for the opportunity to be the encourager to you, to know, and, and as, as we've seen, God already is using you to do great and wonderful things. And we are just excited to see what he's going to do down the road. What a joy it will be to serve together. Well, Hayden and Jordan, we join you in your joy today. And um, it's just my privilege to uh, 
uh, kind of be the pastor, your pastor, that gets to share this, what's commonly called a charge. I'm not sure where that name came from. It's uh, not just a pep talk. It's an affirmation from somebody that's just been down the road a, a little bit uh, and wants to just share, hopefully, some wisdom with you. Today, I want to just share in this charge, I want to talk about one of my favorite Bible characters, and I think will probably be one of yours. Her name is Priscilla, and Priscilla is absolutely a beautiful soul in the eyes of God. We meet her first in Acts 18, and it simply says this, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. And thus began a very beautiful friendship and ministry partnership between Paul and this lovely couple, Priscilla, Priscilla and her husband Aquila. Three things that I would encourage you to emulate from this dear lady. And the first one is that Priscilla and her husband Aquila were ministry partners. Every time we see them, they're mentioned together. This is the first introduction in Acts 18 that we see them mentioned on five different occasions, always together. And we've made a lot about the fact that in four of those five, both Luke and Paul mentioned Priscilla first. Very unusual for first century standards in literature. And we believe that's because she was simply the primary ministry leader called by God to lead in the kingdom work, um, in the ministry work of her time. But both Priscilla and Aquila were called. Both were ministry partners. So this is really also to you, Cody, and to you, Josh, uh, that you are called as well to come alongside your spouses, to be there and support, to be fellow helpmates, to be ministry partners, to share the load, to share the journey, to share the ministry. And what a privilege that is. You know, we don't know about Priscilla's family. We don't know if she had children she and Aquila had children, but we can speculate they probably did if they were like most people in the first century world. In fact, they probably would have had a lot of children if they were like most. And so not only were they ministry partners in the kingdom work, the missional work, but they were kingdom partners in discipling their children. And there's really not much more important than that, as you've already both noted they were also business partners with Paul. They were co-laborers with Paul in the gospel ministry. They were house church leaders together. And so the first thing I would say to you, Hayden, and you, Jordan, is be ministry partners, good partners with your husbands that God has provided for you. You are a team. Second thing I would say is that Priscilla and Aquila together were 100% committed to the cause of Christ. 100%. We've already seen that in both of your lives, and we see it 
in their lives as we read through their stories in Scripture. You know, one of the things that I've noted as I've thought about them and as we've read about them is in these very few short examples from Scripture, we see that they moved a whole lot. They start off in Rome. They were Jews in Rome, living in Rome together, probably already Christ followers. And then there was this uh, disturbance in Rome, we're told by historians. In fact, a Roman historian notes that the disturbance among the Jews was so great, and it was over an instigator named Crestus. And we think that was an alternative spelling for Christus. So the issue that was probably going on among the Jews in Rome was a debate, a disturbance over whether or not Jesus Christ, Christus, was truly the Jewish Messiah or not. That was the debate. And that was the disturbance that spilled from internal to external. And the Roman emperor Claudius literally has to kick the Jews out of Rome, excommunicate them for a while. And Priscilla and Aquila had to move. Where did they move? They moved to Corinth. There they met the apostle Paul, began to serve as co-laborers with Paul. And then Paul goes to Ephesus for a three-year stint. And guess who goes with them? Once again, Priscilla and Aquila pack up their family, move to Ephesus, start serving there. And then ultimately, in the end of Romans, we find out that they've moved back to Rome for a season. And then in 2 Timothy, we find out that they moved back to Ephesus. So what is this saying to you? First of all, it's not saying that we're hoping you're going to move from Calvary. (laughs) But it is saying that they were willing to do anything and everything that God called them to do. And, you know, moving is very difficult in our day, but it was especially difficult by first century standards. And yet they did it. And everywhere they went, every indication is they were right in the middle of ministry, often leading house churches, I think, in these different cities, serving the Lord faithfully, 100% committed to the cause of Christ And finally, I would say Priscilla and Aquila were Bible-centered. They were biblically driven. They were grounded in the Word of God. They were guided by the Word of God. And we actually have this very interesting story in Acts 18 where Priscilla and Aquila have a chance to hear this rising star named Apollos, a preacher, an evangelist. And Apollos was trained in the center, the intellectual center of the New Testament or the Roman world. And it was Alexandria, Egypt. They have the largest library, ancient library of anywhere. And scholars were being produced from Alexandria, Egypt. And a theological scholar named Apollos came from there. He ends up coming to Ephesus and he preaches. And Priscilla and Aquila get to hear him preach. And I'm sure it was a wonderful presentation, very mesmerizing uh, message, inspirational. And yet they realized, Priscilla and Aquila realized something was missing. There were some theological gaps in Apollos' knowledge and in his message. And so what did they do? They brought him 
to their home in Ephesus and privately Priscilla and Aquila filled in his knowledge and they taught him. And who would have probably been doing most of the teaching? Well, based on what we think, it would have been Priscilla teaching this great teacher and no doubt he lovingly received the message. Why did she do that? Why did they do that? It's because they knew that the gospel and the Bible was the foundation of all ministry, and it had to be right. And so they stood on the word of God, guided by the word of God, even passing that on to this great minister named Apollos, who no doubt was extremely grateful for their teaching. One thing I love about you already is that you both are very grounded in the word. Both have pursued seminary education and are even interested in pursuing more education. I love that. I think that is a way for you to just keep going deeper in what you can give to others in your future ministry. I love Hayden, when you teach how you are so expositional, you're just right in the word, taking it and explaining it, expounding it so beautifully, so powerfully. And we are all learning and growing under your teaching. I love as you go out and you speak at these conferences and churches that you are always grounded in the word and you're giving people the bread of life that will not return void. It's powerful when you are part of that and you're committed to that. And so that's one reason we are so excited to come alongside you because we know of the impact that your ministry is making and will make. And I love too, Jordan, that you are so grounded. Your love to to couch your worship services around scripture and you're looking for just the right scriptures and you are evaluating the music theologically to make sure it's from the word and grounded in the word and you're you're personally giving the word to people as you disciple and uh, when you write music it's from the word of god that's powerful that's a a wonderful wonderful gift so continue to be bible centered and biblically driven just like priscilla and that's really my charge to both of you hayden and jordan Be like Priscilla. Be like Priscilla. And my observation is, you already are like Priscilla. And if you will continue in that, then your ministry will be greatly, greatly blessed, very, very fruitful, and amazingly impactful for the glory of our King and His kingdom. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us in person each Sunday morning. Our contemporary worship service is at 9 a.m. and our traditional service is at 11.15. For more information, be sure to check out our website, cbclr.org.